Well, good morning, One Church. How you guys doing? Fantastic. My name's Chris. I'm one of the pastors, and we are right smack dab in the middle of a series on marriage. And just like that uh, little clip shows you, sometimes marriage brings out the worst in us. Sometimes it brings out the best in us. And uh, I don't know whether if you're married or if you're single, uh, church may not be your thing. The Bible may not be your thing, but I'm so glad that you're here this morning. Uh, because we're going to be looking at some very practical things that we, as we dive into the scriptures that I believe that God wants to say to all of us about marriage and relationships. So uh, in a, for a great time today, next week we're going to be finishing up this series. And then the week after that, we're actually going to be starting a new series entitled Text, where we're going to be kind of diving into the Bible. And, uh, and if the, again, the Bible or the Hebrew Scriptures or the New Testament, anything like that, if that's something new to you, uh, then it's going to be a great series because we're going to kind of fit all those pieces together. Uh, before we dive in today, I just want to kind of let you guys know, some of you, you're brand new here, and some of you, you've been with us for months or years. I want to kind of give you an update on where we're at on Bold. We decided about eight months ago um, we were going to uh, go on a bold journey. And one of the things that we wanted to do is we asked everyone to, to be able to just get on board with this bold journey. Uh, we have a couple of, of goals that we want to do with bold. Uh, we want to create a, another location, a more permanent location. And as you guys know, we purchased some land right at exit one that it's our intention to build on. Uh, our next goal is we want to be able to uh, create another one church in a different location. So uh, we're going to do that here in town. Uh, that's our five-year goal. And then our 10-year goal, we, as you guys know, we have a lot of military, and a lot of them will leave Fort Campbell, and they will go somewhere else. And we want to start a one church across state lines. So um, I want to let you know, guys, that we are moving forward on that vision. Uh, we actually have a guy coming on October the 13th, I believe it is, uh, who's going to be teaching, and uh, we're looking at him at possibly for a campus pastor, and uh, you're going to really enjoy this guy. Wanted to let you guys know what you've given so far. Uh, when we purchased the land back in October of last year, almost a year ago, we paid $704,000 for a little less than five acres, 4.96 acres. Uh, since then, you guys, we've actually been able to pay that land down to $485,000. And that's what you guys have done in less than a year. So I just want to say thank you. Can we give it up? You guys are awesome. When we get that, when we get the land paid down to about 150 what we owe on it, we're going to start moving dirt and we're going to start going vertical. Uh, and we're, if we keep on going at this pace, we're at about 12 to 18 months to be able to make that happen. So I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, quick question. How many of y'all have ever made a fool out of yourself over love? Let me see your hands. All right, most of us, most guys, I would say, all right? Uh, I'll tell you, when I was dating Kim, uh, I was a raging idiot um, uh, because I loved her and I pursued her. Let me just throw you, uh, throw you up some pictures uh, of yesteryear. Um, yeah, this is, this is saucy right here. Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. This is Kim and I going to the Dove Awards. We were in college at the time. And I, I don't know if you can tell, my mustache is a little unique. Because I had peach fuzz growing in the middle of it, so I shaved off the middle of it. And, uh, and I, I always liked Tom Selleck. I have a thing for Tom Selleck. So, uh, and I, I wanted it like mustache like Tom Selleck, right? Um, but I had peach fuzz. So I took mascara. I can't make this stuff up. Some of you are like, I'm going to have to join another church. Uh, I have lost all respect for you, Pastor. And I mascaraed 
my mustache because I wanted to fill it in, right? Uh, because that's how much of an idiot I am. All right. So this is us going to the Dove Awards. Had a great time. And at Dove Awards, if you not know anything, it's kind of like the Grammys or the Academies or something like that, but it's for Christian music. So anyway, uh, here is, this is actually a picture of our very first date. This was back in December, let me get this right, December 6th, 1990. <laughs> Some of you wasn't even born. All right. So um, I'm sporting the sweater vest. By the way, I think Dave uh, actually has that sweater vest now. I think I may have gave it to him. So, um, but, uh, I mean, Ken, I, I, it was a sophomore year in college. She wanted to date me our freshman year, and I didn't want to date her because I was an idiot. And, and then I wanted to date her our sophomore year, and, uh, and she, she didn't want to date me. But it, it was no lie. I, it, this is the truth. It was on this night. We went to a progressive dinner. I was teaching Sunday school. Uh, and we, anybody know what a progressive dinner is? All right, progressive dinner is where you go to one house for the, for the appetizer, one house for the entree, and then one house for the dessert. And uh, I, I really didn't like her here then. I actually asked one of my guy friends out to go with me because I didn't want to be rejected by a girl, and he rejected me. Um, so I, I, Kim was my second runner-up, and I don't think she's here, so don't tell her that. Um, but uh, it was it, this night, uh, we were over to a really good friend of mine's house, Paula Gellett's house, and I fell in love with her this night. It, it, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And it wasn't because of her voice, though she, was, she has a gorgeous singing voice. It wasn't because the way she looked, even though she's gorgeous. What attracted me to my wife was that she had a servant's heart. Because she got up and she started serving other people. And I fell in love with my soon-to-be wife uh, on December the 6th, 1990. That's just so cool. I did a lot of crazy stuff. Uh, to win her heart. In fact, some of you did as well, all right? In fact, I need, uh, I need three guys from the audience, three volunteers. If you, uh, you're going to win something. So, I mean, the question is, do you want something? I need you to come up here. No, the, the females, oh, come on now. Guys, seriously, man up, adjust your cup, come on up. All right, come on, let's give it up. Come on. I need, I, all right, three, all right, this is awesome. What's up, dude? How you doing? All right, now, what's up, man? All right, let me get a mic. And what I am going to ask you guys a question, and by the way, you're going to get out front here. Come on, Mike. All right, so come on up here. So y'all give it up to him. Listen, you're like, I don't know if you're getting me up there. All right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you guys uh, just to say your first name, and then, uh, and then I have a question for you. So we'll start with you. Robbie. Aaron, Edward, Chris, my gosh, this is really hot, almost as hot as me. All right, now, so here's the question I'm going to ask you guys, and by the way, this is for a $70 gift certificate to Swirls so that you can take your wife out to go paint. Now, I didn't say body paint, I said paint, okay? I don't care what you do with the paint. All All right, so here's my question. What was... The craziest thing you did to win your spouse's heart when you won the date. All right, who wants to go first? And here's what we're going to do. <laughs> yeah. All right, here's what I'm going to ask you guys to do is they're going to tell a story, and then uh, after they get done, I'm going to ask for you to kind of vote for them. So who wants to go first? I'm not going first. All right, Merry Christmas. So, all right. Carrie, can I get some help? <laughs> um, 
So uh, well, wait, let's keep this PG-13, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Um, so Carrie's in the military, and, and she, um, she left. She went somewhere. I'm not sure exactly where she went. And um, when, she, when she came home, I wanted to be um, romantic. And so I went and bought a bunch of roses and sprinkled them all over the apartment. I mean, floor, countertops, everywhere. And then I lit these little tea light candles because I thought, you know, that'd be really cool, turned all the lights off. Sure. Well, when we got back, thankfully the house hadn't burned down because I went to pick her up from, I think it was the airport. And when I came back, the candles weren't lit anymore and you couldn't see anything except for just burn spots all over our furniture. Oh, my gosh. So that's... Oh, my gosh. Well, <laughs> so that, there you go. Uh, I tell you, y'all got it hot, didn't you? Come on now. That's a lot of passion out there. Y'all give it up. God, isn't that awesome? All right. All right. What, somebody's got to go next. I'll go next. All right. Very good. All right. Good, good. So, <laughs> so when, I, uh, when I first met my wife, Sanaina, um, she was uh, living in the dorms or over at Austin P. And I thought that I was going to uh, cook this romantic dinner and have this uh, romantic evening. And uh, so I got some steaks and I got some potatoes and everything. I was going to make everything homemade. And when I got over there, I realized there was no grill. <laughs> There was no, there was no uh, pots and pans. There was nothing there. So I had to use this oven, and uh, I ended up cooking our dinner, and it was like uh, tires. We, oh, my we gosh. A, we had steak that was like tires, but I still tried to present it. And so that was one of the All right. Things. That's good. That's good. See, you will overcome any obstacle. Let's give it up for him. Giving up burnt offerings to the Lord right there. So you are married, correct? All right. Where is your wife? All right, come on up here. This, this guy needs some help. So come on up here. Come on, Sabina. Come on now. Because somehow you did win her heart, correct? You, yeah, I mean, you're, you're married, 26 years, all right? So what is, Sabina, what was the, the most romantic thing that, you're, that, you're, that he's ever done for you? Nobody else, not another guy, but him. I have met Eddie. Go ahead. I took her fishing. You took her fishing? Took her fishing. All right, did she catch anything? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, all right, let's stay up here. All right, let's vote on this, guys. Let's go. Uh, how many of y'all? Very good. All right, hunk of hunk of burning love. Yeah, all right, Eddie. Uh, all right, hey, thank you so much for playing. Thank you so much. Come on now, Burner. Come on now. All right, after the service, I'll get you that gift certificate, okay? Thank you guys for playing. Gosh, you guys are so much fun. Now, here's the thing. You know, all of us, when we date, we do things so that we can be able to win the heart of that girl, if we're a guy, or if we're a a lady. We'll do, we'll put up the makeup, you know, we'll paint, we'll do all that stuff, the war paint, all that stuff, so that we can be able to win his heart. Let me tell you, one of the things that I did... Um, is when we were in college, I actually took, uh, uh, I borrowed my wife's keys. Of course, we weren't married at the time. I borrowed her keys, and, uh, and I says, hey, can I get something out of your car? She says, sure. I went, and I made a copy of her keys. And now some of you are thinking, I think we need to call the police. But here, let me tell you, stalker, right? But let me tell you what I did is I made a copy of her keys, didn't let her know about it. And then at certain points during the year, I would steal her car, and I would, uh, I would like, uh, get it all waxed or uh, get washed. I would vacuum it. I, I made a mixtape. Anybody remember cassettes? Anyone? Okay, thank you. Um, I would put a mixtape, do some Kenny G in there. I mean, I'm just saying, 
So, um, or I would put flowers. I, again, I got to tell you this. My wife played the lead in The Sound of Music at the Roxy. She was Maria. And um, uh, <laughs> this has never happened ever before. A cheerleader, an Austin P. cheerleader, asked me out on a date. And I said, sure, I would love to go out with you, and I got the perfect place. There's this girl who's amazing. Her name is Kim, and she is singing the lead at the Roxy. She's the Maria. Why don't we go there? And I just love hearing her sing. So for the next three hours, we watched Sound and Music while I bragged about Kim to an Austin P. cheerleader, and I was clueless because I was eat up. You know, now here's the thing. I've done a lot of those things when I was wanting to date her. But really the question that needs to be asked is, once I did win her heart, and we got married December 93, December 11th, am I continuing to pursue her? Am I continuing to pursue her? Because all of us, we will do some crazy, stupid things in the name of love, whether it's burning down uh, furniture or taking somebody fishing. Eddie, listen, I ain't a hater. Let me tell you, one of the things I did when I, every girl that I ever dated, and there weren't many of them, and you'll find out why, I never took them to a dinner and a movie. That's boring. Let me tell you, I did one or two things on our first date. I either took them canoeing or we went frog gigging. Anybody know what frog gigging is? Yeah, sure. All right, it's where you have a long bamboo pole with a pitchfork on the end, and you spotlight frogs in the light, you stab them because you're going to eat their legs, right? So, and you wonder why I didn't date that often. Anyway, so I want to talk to you today about pursuing your spouse. And we're going to be looking again at the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, where we look at the God's idea of marriage. It was his idea. It wasn't ours. It was his. And we're going to be looking at Adam and Eve. And this is what God said about marriage. God says, for this reason... A man will leave his father and mother and be what? United to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. That Hebrew word, united, is the word dubach. And it literally means to cling or to adhere to, to pursue passionately, or to catch by pursuit. It means to pursue hard with affection or devotion. And it's not that we just pursue it until we get married. It's that we continue to pursue, to cling to, to pursue hard. In fact, let me show you other places in the Bible where this Hebrew word dubach, united, is used. All right, here's the first one. Uh, this is in uh, Psalm 63, 8. I will follow close. Everybody say follow close. I will follow close. That's the word dubach, united. I will follow close behind you. Here's another one. Um, they are what? Joined fast. They are united. They are dubach to one, one another. They cling together and cannot be parted. And look at this. Judges 20.45 says this. They pursued hard after them. Now this has nothing to do with marriage. All right? But you can use this in marriage. Just saying. All right. Um, see, here's the thing. I believe that the biblical pursuit is not just a one-time limited event. And it's never done half-heartedly. In marriage, it's an ongoing process that should last a lifetime. So let's put what we know about this Hebrew word, unite, dubach, back into Genesis 2, 24, and let's actually insert the definition. And here's what it says. God says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and passionately pursue his wife for the rest of his life. 
Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds fun, don't it? That sounds fun. That sounds like an adventure. But I'll tell you, it's also going to take some work. You, you can't put it on autopilot if you're, if you're going to really want to do what this word says. And again, one of the greatest examples of Scripture to me about this word, about uniting and pursuing, pursuing a spouse, is found also in the very first book of the Bible, Genesis. It literally means beginnings. And we're going to be looking at Jacob. Jacob. Now, here's the thing. God chose a people, and he started with a person named Abraham. And God made a promise to Abraham, I am going to create you out of you a great nation in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. And he makes a promise that your descendants will be like the sands on the seashore or like the stars in the sky. You won't be able to count them. The problem was Abraham was married to Sarah, and they didn't have any children In fact, they were very late in age. God came and talked to Abraham when he was 90 years old. I don't know about you, but that's a little older, right? Some people think I'm old at 44. But, I mean, I mean, I just, I mean, you're having kids at 90? Abraham had his first child, Isaac, which means laughter. Why did he call, uh, why did Abraham and Sarah call him laughter? If, If you found out that you were pregnant at 90, you would laugh too. You would either laugh or cry. So Abraham and Sarah had Isaac. And then Isaac, he got married, and he had Jacob. He had two sons, Jacob and Esau. All right? So in Jacob, we're going to be looking at Jacob and how he pursued this girl and got this girl to marry him. All right? Genesis chapter 29. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn those open. We give away Bibles here for free at one church. Genesis chapter 29, verses 16, 17, and 18. If you don't have your Bibles, you can open up version on your phone, and you can read that, or it's going to be on the screen. This is what it says. Now, Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had what? Weak eyes. And if your name is Leah, I apologize. But uh, Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel was what? Lovely in form, and she was beautiful. All right? Um, And look what happens. Jacob was in love with Rachel, and he said, I'll work for you, talking to Laban, I will work for you for seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. You want to marry my daughter? you got to work for seven years. Now, how many of y'all else think that's a little extreme? Seven years? Dear Lord, right? Seven years. I mean, some people in here probably struggle to make it a 40-hour work week. But seven years? In fact, how many of y'all have daughters in here? Let me see your hands. Maybe you ought to try this on somebody that kind of comes and pursues them. Okay, here's the thing. You work for me for seven years, and if you make the cut after seven years, we'll talk, dude, right? But that's exactly what Jacob did. He was willing to give seven years of his life so that he could marry Rachel. Why? Because he loved her, and he wanted to pursue her. And, and what's so interesting, because he loved Rachel so much, time passed very, very quickly. Look, this is what it said in verse 20. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel. I mean, you're talking about pursuing a girl. Seven years. But they seemed like what? Only a few days. That's some very white plan right there. All right? Only a few days. Why? Because of his love for her. Isn't it amazing how time flies sometimes? 
How many of y'all have ever been to work and you, you work like what feels like eight hours and you look up and it's only 1020? Right? I mean, it's like, what? I can't get out of here fast enough, right? Or there's some days, though, I mean, I feel like I've been to work five minutes and I look up and it's 350. I'm like, where is the time gone? And time is kind of funny like that. So, and that's exactly how it was with Jacob. Jacob pursued Rachel so much, and he was laser-focused on Rachel, that the seven years just flew by. Now, here's the thing. After seven years of Jacob working to pursue Rachel, Laban, the father, pulled a little switcheroo. And Laban said, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, you can't have my youngest daughter, Rachel. You have to marry Leah. She's the oldest, and she has to be married first. And Jacob was like, I, I really don't want Leah. I want Rachel. And then Laban, who was kind of keen, he was, uh, he was shrewd. Laban the dad said, well, okay, you can work seven more years for Rachel. Now, how many of y'all? He's already worked seven, and he has to work seven more. Those who had a public school education, how much is that? Thank you very much. All right, we can do math even in Tennessee, and you don't even have to take off your shoes. Okay? So, look what happens. Uh, verse 30 of Genesis 29. Jacob lay with Rachel, and he loved Rachel. So, they got married. And then look what happens. While Jacob worked for Laban, what? Another seven years. Now, here's the beautiful part of this story. After the first seven years, they actually got married. And then even after they're married, guess what Jacob did? He worked. He continued to work for Rachel. Even after they were married, he continued to work for her even after he had her. And guys, I think all of us need to be a little bit more like Jacob in this story. Because we need to pursue our spouse after we put a ring on it. We do. All right? Now, so many of us, Jacob, I mean, he continued to work to pursue her and to have her another seven years. And you remember what it was like when you two were dating? I mean, you probably do. I mean, he likes her, so he buys her flowers, and he goes around and he opens the car door, and, and you know, and then gently, he, when they go out to eat, she, he pulls out the chair for, and then, you know, she scoots up and she pushes the chair. And, I mean, guys, we endured the third hell we call chick flicks, right? I mean, anybody notebook. I mean, we, en- we endure that, right? And we, we put a smile on our face, Right? I will like this, right? And, uh, and, and we do that. Why? Because we want to run after her. We want to chase her. We love her, and we will even endure a Nicholas Sparks movie. All right? It's just, that's just what. Now, ladies, what did you do? What did you do? Well, here's the thing. You invited him to pursue you. You put on makeup. You put on the extra lipstick, and you like blotted your lipstick like on on the pieces of paper on the notes and you wrote him love notes right i mean you did those things because you wanted him to pursue you because people do foolish and wonderful things in the name of love and you know what that's how god intended it here's the problem here's the problem because so many of us when we get married we stop pursuing Here's a, just a principle. It's going to be up on the screen. It simply says this. By nature, we tend to pursue only what we don't have. And this is really true for guys, isn't it? If we don't have it, we long to get it, so we will pursue and we will do anything to get that. For example, a lot of guys do all kinds of things, again, to get the girl, right? Again, we do all of that. Now, and you pursue and you pursue and you pursue, and then and it's like guys are on hunting mode. 
And then what happens is you make the kill, i.e. you get married, right? And you've now won her. And now you just kind of coast. That's what we do as guys. We, we, we came, we saw, we killed, we conquered. She's ours. Now we move on to maybe a job situation or we conquer a goal, uh, a personal goal or a lifetime goal or maybe a, a, we want to we wanna get ranked up in the army. We want to be able to get that raise at work. And when then we get that and we pursue that, we bag it and we move on. And then after 5, 10, 12 years of not pursuing, and then we kind of look at her and, I mean, she has, I mean, you, you got two, three kids, and you're like, what's happened? What's happened? How come I've fallen out of love? Well, here's our big idea today. Pursue your spouse every single day because, it, because what is one, what is one can be lost. Pursue your spouse how often? Every single day. Because what is one can also be lost. Now, I want to be really specific, especially for us guys, because so many times relationally, we're kind of clueless. So there are four different ways we need to pursue women. These are the, the, a, a women's top four needs, all right? And, let's, and this, by the way, this comes from His Needs, Her Needs by Dr. William Harley. The woman's most four basic needs is first this one, affection. When I'm talking about with affection or words of infection, I'm, I'm talking about non sexual affection, right? Say that with me, non, guys, you ready? Non, some of you guys don't even know, what is that? I don't even know what that looks like, right? Because our minds every seven seconds, right? There it is, right? I mean, it's just, that's just how God made us, right? I mean, we, we, we're focused on one thing, it's either food, shelter, or sex. And I don't know if I can say that in church, but I am, because the Bible talks about it. So here's the thing about this. What your spouse, what your wife needs from you is affection, non-sexual. This is where you just hold her hand. Uh, you just stroke her back. You, you, you say kind things to her, not just about her body and what you would, you know, all, the, all that stuff. You send love emails. You call your spouse. Um, instead of coming home late, you rush home early because you want to prioritize her. Remember we talked about that last week? That our, our first party should be God. God is number one, and our spouse should be number two. Kids aren't in the top two. Our job isn't in the top two. It's God and our spouse, right? So you prioritize your number two. You, you give them inexpensive yet thoughtful gifts, or maybe expensive and thoughtful gifts. You buy flowers, even when you're not in trouble. I know some of you are like, what are you thinking, right? Okay, I'm just telling you. that You write her a card telling how much you, she means to you, right? All right? I mean, that's, that's what it, you pursue her with creativity, with imagination, with energy. Because guess what? That's how you want her in the first place. And if you wanted to continue to keep her, then you've got to continue to pursue her. You've got to do it affectionately. Second is conversation conversation. You pursue her with conversation. Now, I'm not telling you something you already don't know, but the average woman speaks about 20,000 words a day. The average man speaks about 13,000, and they're usually one-word sentences, right? I mean, that's just how it is. Guys speak about, on average about 7,000 less words a day. That means that when the average guy comes home, he's probably already filled his quota of 7,000, 
right? I mean, a Phyllis Diller's husband once asked, do you resent having your wife have the last word? And he said, actually, I'm delighted when she finally gets to her last word. <laughs> That's funny. I don't care who you are. All right? I mean, picture this. A guy comes home, and his wife says, how was your day? And the guy answers, fine, good, okay. What did you do today? He says, uh, the usual. Well, what's the usual? Well, you know, I, I had meetings. Okay, with who? The, the guy says, with customers. Okay, where did you meet them? At a restaurant. What restaurant? Oh, Charlie's. What would you eat? <laughs> do you want me to take a picture and send it to you over Instagram? All right, here's a selfie of me eating my food, right? But here's the thing. I mean, it's like this. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the guy's thinking, what do you want, a report? Right? But you know what? Let me tell you this. Guys, we need to hear this. To the ladies, the meaning is in the details. All right? Listen to this quote from Jeff Feldhan. Uh, he's the author of For Men Only. This is what he says. Men and women communicate for different reasons. For men, communication is a report, a telling someone something they need to know when they need to know it in order to take action. But for women, it's different. It's about rapport. Connecting with another person by joining them in their world. And the big part of how you do that is by getting to the details. And that's why guys usually do voicemail, M-A-L-E. Right? We do short answers. Fine, good, yes, no, uh. Right? That's just what we do. But a, a wife doesn't want to report. She wants rapport, R-A-P-P-O-R-T. And, and even though it sounds very similar, it's vastly different. She, she wants a, a personal connection with you where you feel like you understand what it's like to be in the other person's shoes. In fact, listen to what Proverbs 15, 23, 23 the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon, said this. Everyone enjoys a fitting reply. It is wonderful to say the right thing at the right time. When she asks you all of these questions, she's not trying to be difficult. She's wanting to connect with you, and you need, to say the, you need to say the right things at the right time. It's about the details. Now, guys, you may say, well, that's just hard, or I'm not wired that way, or whatever, or you can't do that. But the fact is, yes, you can. In fact, if you're into sales, you do this all the time. You don't go up to a customer, throw a contract to them, and say, sign it. Well, you don't do that, right? I mean, you say, hey, how are your kids doing? How's everything going? How's your wife doing? Is everything, is everything going all right? I know she's been sick. I mean, how's that been going? I mean, why? Because when you sell something, you, people will purchase something from you if they feel like they know you. you. You do this. Just, guys, we get lazy. Why? Because we stop pursuing. We stop pursuing, all right? Now, we also have to listen when it comes to conversation. That means you've got to listen. My mama, who's sitting right back there, said this way, that God gave you two ears in, which means you should listen twice more than you should. That's very difficult for a preacher, by the way, okay? Just be honest with you. I struggle with that one. But you are to listen, which means you have to be present. Now, I'm going to talk to men and women. If you're out on a date, put your dang cell phone away, Okay? Take your cell phone, mute it, right, and I know, well, what about the kids? Well, what if they go, what if they stop? Okay, okay, you put it in your purse, but you ain't got to be on Facebook. 
In fact, one of the things I do is I'll take my phone and I'll flip it upside down because I don't want to be distracted. Why? Because the most important person in my life is sitting right across from me. And I think women, men, we struggle with this. We've got to be present. Let's stop getting distracted by social media and all of this stuff and let's peer into one another's eyes. And you know what you may find out? You may have fell out of love, but you may start getting back into it, right? Because if you, I'm, I'm, this is the end, this is my challenge. But you start doing what you used to do, you're going to start feeling what you used to have. Bad English, but it's good marriage stuff, just saying. All right, let's keep on going. All right, also thoughtfulness. Women, they want to be thought of, right? This is what Hebrews 3.13 says. Encourage one another. How often does the Bible say? Encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness and some so many of us our hearts get hard in marriage because we fail to encourage our spouse right thank you so much for picking up the kids today thank you so much for for taking care of our home thank you so much for cooking for us today thank you so much for cleaning the house or thank you so much for you working Thank you so much for you working outside of the home. I know you may want to stay at home, but you don't, and I'm so grateful for that. I mean, just give her words of affirmation. And then lastly, a a woman's greatest need is security. It is security. One of a woman's greatest needs is she wants to feel secure. And how that happens is by you making her a priority. What we talked about last week, that she knows that she is the most important relationship other than God. That her relationship with you, that your friends come in a distant third, fourth, fifth. That your job is a third, fourth, fifth. That she is your number two. Now let her know that. That you're secure and that you're not going anywhere. We talk about this a lot, but you don't mention the D word, divorce. You say, I'm here for the long haul. And I'm going to tell you, and when she talks to you, you listen. And that helps her feel secure. Now, ladies... Let's look at, and don't put it up, don't go to the next one, all right? A man's basic needs, four of them. How many of y'all want to guess what the first one is? Yes, sir. Here we go. Now, some of you are like, does my, does my husband think of anything else? He thinks of food, too. See, here's the thing. God created this in us. Right? And, and again, ladies, that means you can't always wear the same nightgown that, to bed that you got back in 1981. I, I don't know. I think there's a place uh, when a woman has been married for over three months, I think there's a place in the United States that sends her a nightgown. I think it's in Moose Jaw, Alaska. And it's made of seal skin. And if you put her up against a solar flare, nothing could be able to creep through and penetrate that. Right? I mean, sometimes just do something different. Wear something else. That means, ladies, you can't always wear sweatpants, right? And by the way, guys, I'm talking to us too. We can't always do that either, right? All right? So send him love notes in your lunch. Write a message in lipstick on your mirror, all right? But take his phone and do something a little crazy on it, right? All right, do whatever. Now, some of you, is that appropriate? It is if she's your wife and he's your husband, because that's what, uh, that's what it means to pursue, all right? So let's keep on going. Sexual fulfillment. 
Seven seconds, remember that. All right, admiration, all right? Wise, if you want your husbands to take out the trash more often or whatever he does, then you make a big deal out when he takes out the trash. When he lifts the trash bag out, you say, huh, have you been lifting? Those biceps are so big. When you, when you get the brawny like that, right? And, and he's like, really? Some of y'all, y'all can't see that in the back. Just saying. But you know what? You do that enough, guess what he's going to do three or four times a day? He's going to take out that trash bowl. Mm, right? He's going to stick his chest out. He's gonna, why? Because guess what? You have given him words of admiration. Now get this. If the flip side is if you're always running him down, he will become what you're running him down to. And that leads us to our next one, reassurance. How are you going to pursue him? With words of reassurance. Why? Because as confident as your man wants to appear, he needs to know that you believe in him. Why? Ladies, you need to understand this huge, and if you're taking notes, write this down. He is becoming what you say about him. You hear what I'm saying? He is becoming what you say about him. He is becoming what you see in him. So if you continue to nag him, to tear him down, to tell him what he's not, he's going to become less of what you want him to be every single time. Why? Because no matter how he acts or how full of himself he is, your opinion of him matters more than anyone else's. You know him more intimately than anyone else, and if you don't believe in him, he's not going to believe in himself. So, because men, even though, we, you know, it's, this is not accurate, it's not biblical, but this is just the fact, this is how we think of as men. We believe that we're only worth our last accomplishment. Hey, how did you do in your sales last month? Well, it was all right, but that was last month. Now this is this month. So ladies, if you want him to know, does he still love me and think I'm pretty? Then he wants you to know, does, does she still believe in me today? Hear me, after I preach a message... One of the first things I do, I talk to my wife. Hey, babe, what'd you think about that? What'd you think about that? Why? Because sometimes I'm just insecure. And I long to know what she thinks. Right? All right. Now, last one, and then we're going to be done. Companionship. Companionship. Ladies, if you want to know how to pursue your spouse, then whatever he likes doing, you do it with him. You know, I was hanging out at the softball field uh, on this past Friday night watching our two softball, one church softball teams compete. How many of y'all play softball? Let me hear you. Woo! All right, awesome. You guys are awesome. Um, but I tell you what, I mean, I know some of your ladies, softball's not your thing. Okay. But you were there. And, 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 you, and, you, and you cheered him on. Uh, I mean, Tucker, man, he was pitching, and I loved heckling him. That was amazing, right? But, I mean, I mean you were there. you were there because your spouse was there. Because you want a companionship. If, you're, if your spouse loves football, e- even if you don't know what a first down is, I mean, even when they score, you go, um, you know, uh, she, he got it through the hoop. Okay. At least you're there and you're right beside him. So whatever he likes doing, that companionship, you do. It's kind of like this with my wife. My wife loves running. I don't know about, about you. I don't run. I run from bears. And even then... Uh, probably not going to work, all right? But you know what? When, when she runs and she goes to races, I love going to races with her, and I love cheering her on because I want her to know, even though I don't really like running, that even though she likes running, I like it because she likes it. That is companionship. Now, as I close, let me just say this. The, the key to all of this, I mean, the, the, the number one enemy to all of this, 
of pursuing your spouse is this word, and it's predictability. It's predictability. In fact, here's a, uh, just a quick thing on the screen. Look at this. The higher the predictability, the lower the impact. The lower the predictability, the higher the impact. Now, let me talk to the single guys out there. If you want to get a girl, you can't be predictable. You can't. It, you can't do what all the other guys are doing. You've got to step it up, right? Um, and, and hear me, guys, we did this when we pursued them, but then we just many times kind of, we kind of laid back. We got lazy. Now we're pretty, pretty high predictability, and we just don't have that much impact anymore. I mean, think of it this way. Ladies, guys, how many shoes do you have? And Justin Tucker don't answer this because he has like 70 tennis shoes, okay? You may have three, right? Two, I don't know, four. How many does your wife have? All right, let me ask you this one. How many outfits do you have, guys? I don't know about you, but I wear sometimes the same things more than one day because I'm that guy, right? Now, my wife, I mean, she's always, she opens up her closet, I've got nothing to wear. And I'm like, you've got a hundred outfits. What are you thinking about? But she, okay, she it wants to be more creative, right? That's just how women are. So, again, if we're going to relate to them, then we're, I'm not saying you've got to buy more shoes or more outfits, guys. I'm just saying you've got to know that is the tendency of your wife. So you're going to have to do something. Let me ask you this. When you, let's stop taking them to dinner and a movie. How much interaction do you have when you're at a movie? Zero. Seriously, that was fun. Good, good connecting with you. If you want to go see a movie, guys, take me out on a date, right? I'm cheap. I'm just saying. But do something fun with your wife that you can communicate with her, that you're turning the chairs and you're looking at each other's eyes and you're reaching over to her hand. And, and it doesn't always have to be really expensive. It means you can go on, on a walk. You can be able to go and, uh, I mean, you can do something fun. You, you, you can go shopping with her and, okay, let's not get crazy, but, you, I mean, I mean, you do something. Do something, all right? To get something you've never had, you've got to do some things you've never done. And some of you, I mean, you've never had a Christian marriage. That means men and women, you've got to do some things differently. Because to do something you never had, you've got to do something you've never done. But let's go back to that inverse of that. To get what you once had, you must do what you once did. Right? Because you may have fallen out of love, but guess what? You can fall back in it. All you've got to start doing is start doing the things that you used to do. Last verse, Revelation. Now, this is Jesus talking to the churches, and they've kind of, their love has grown cold, but this totally works with marriage. Watch this. All right, good. Revelation. Uh, you, have, you have lost your what? All right. There are times when all couples lose their first love with each other. Now, how do you, what do you do to get it back? Remember. Hmm. Remember the height from which you have fallen. 
repent, I mean change something, and do the things you did at what? First. You gotta put her, you gotta you gotta make her a priority. You gotta make him a priority. So my prayer as we close is that you would pursue your spouse, that you would pursue them. And if you're single in here, okay, you can't pursue a spouse yet, but let me tell you, you need to know this, that until God gives you a a spouse, you pursue Jesus Christ. You start dating him. Sounds a little freaky, but I promise you it's not. You make him a priority. You make him your number one. Matthew 6, 33, seek uh, first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you, right? Maybe the reason why God isn't, hasn't given you a spouse yet, maybe, not, I don't know, but maybe, is because your priorities are a little jank. And he knows that if he gave you a spouse today, you would pursue that spouse more than you would pursue God. And God's never going to give you something that's going to take you away from him. Somebody got to tweet that. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. I thank you so much, God, that we worship a God that pursues us. Lord, we worship a God that even though uh, we struggle, even though we're not all of that, we, we just don't measure up, God. Lord, you always pursue us so much that you sent your one and only Son, Jesus Christ, into this world, who pursued us so much that he died for us, that he died in our place so that we could have a relationship with a heavenly father that loves us. Lord, you're amazing. Thank you for pursuing us. And Lord, I pray for our marriages in here this morning that we would be men and women who would get up off the bench and that we would continue to pursue our spouse. For it's in Jesus' great big name that we pray.